Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Truly the story of this big Wednesday is the injury news in the NBA so far. It is out of control on this 10-game card coming up here in a matter of hours. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today. Apologies for this show getting out a little bit later today. My morning got, uh, well, completely blown to bits. I had to take a car in for repairs. My wife got a little fender bender two weeks ago. Don't worry, everybody's fine. Uh, but it did eat a fat chunk out of my morning waiting for a rental car company to ultimately not actually remember to pick me up from the repair place. I was going to walk it, and then one of the folks at the repair shop was kind enough to drive me over there. Anyway, long story short, uh, my day got started like a good almost two hours later than I was hoping for. Which is a little dumb, because I knew it was going to take up some time. So maybe I should say... Uh, got started like an hour later than I was hoping, and then everything just got pushed back and back and back, and now here we are. Doing a show on what happened last night in the middle of the day the following day. Not what I want to do on a moment-to-moment basis, so again, apologies for the late release on this thing. Let's just dive straight into it uh, with, again, a hello, a thank you for listening, and I am Dan Vespers, by the way. I'm at Dan Vespers on Twitter. Uh, I mean, at this point, like... I know that Twitter is undergoing a lot of really weird changes, but it does continue to be the fastest way for you guys to get basketball and fantasy news, and so I would say you pretty much have to be on there if you want to win your fantasy league. It's a must at this point. Sign up for an account, leave your profile picture an egg, I don't care, and just make sure you follow like the seven or eight things that can get you information really quick. It's easy as that. Yesterday, it was a short Tuesday card, but there actually was some stuff that went on, and uh, that allows us to, to do a little bit of a deeper dive than usual on a few of these ball games. I think one of them in particular was really not at all interesting, but the other four all had stuff of some kind. So let's start with the first one. New Orleans beat Memphis 113-102. Desmond Bain, that was the news from yesterday, out for a couple of weeks dealing with a foot sprain. It sucks. I mean, that's the short version. John Conchar is the big winner in the who-gets-more-minutes camp, but he is an intensely low-usage basketball player, which makes it kind of hard to feel for any fantasy upside. I like his game. He's going to rebound well from a shooting guard spot. That's really cool and and super helpful for them. He will sort of find his way into a couple of assists because he's got guys around him that are going to score quickly. Uh, he'll hit a three-pointer, but it's hard to say he's going to do enough every single night to make him a 12-teamer. I mean, the big reason that he was listed as one of the better lines last night was because he shot four of six from the field. If his field goal percent wasn't a net positive yesterday, his line kind of wasn't really a net positive yesterday. So I love Conchar. I don't love him as a 12-team ad. I just think he's like a really useful basketball player. He's on my 30-deep team, and this is extremely helpful for that. But in for our purposes, most of what we talk about on this show is kind of 9-cat, 12-team. You try to If you try to talk about every format, you just get... I mean, every show will be three and a half hours long. We can't... I can't do that. That's, you know... I'll go do a baseball broadcast instead, do a whole damn ball game. So probably don't need to add Conchar and 12-teamers. It's close. He's going to... I think the word I use on social, he's going to kind of nuzzle up against 12-team value... In some of these games without Bain, and then other ones he's going to have, you know, 
four points and seven rebounds with a steal, and you're like, ah, oh, what am I doing here? So close. We'll call it very, very close. The bigger, if you can believe it, story on that Memphis side is that JJJ made his season debut just four weeks into the year. I, I mean, this is a timeline that I think blows everybody away. Even, even the most optimistic, even the most optimistic folks probably didn't have him back four weeks into the season. So this is a huge win uh, for a guy who was getting drafted later than 90. Once he gets up to game speed, we know he's a top 40 per game guy. Uh, this may be one of those weird little injury draft guys that does pan out, although we'll see. You know, if anything else creeps up, you know they're going to be giving him rest days. Let's keep a close watch on this, but him coming back this soon is a colossal surprise. He had five blocks his first game back. That's pretty sweet. Obviously missed a ton of shots. There's a a, a truckload of rust that's going to take some time. This is his preseason, you know? So think about these next two weeks for JJJ, kind of like we talked about with Clay Thompson, uh, Colin Sexton, Jamal Murray, these guys at the beginning of this year where they were playing their preseason during the actual basketball campaign. So, if you're evaluating JJJ, evaluate him on December 1st, not right now. If you waited this long, this is going to be the same guy coming back from injury phenomenon. There's a very real chance that his games for the next two weeks are extremely inconsistent and weird. Now, five-block night covers up a lot of disastrous stuff. So, I think people that got him back and plugged him into their lineups are like, Oh, phew, like he saved us. If he has some bad ball games. Folks that drafted him might start to look at it and think, oh, no, like, what's this going to be? It's a very, very narrow needle-threading window. But if you see him have two or three bad games in a row, you can try to pry him loose for, you know, you'll see what it is. Like, if he has some bad ball games, maybe you go lob an 85-range guy out there. I Again, 5% chance on this thing. It's not a likely scenario, but you just never know. On the New Orleans side, Larry Nance Jr. was wonderful again. He has been positively stomping after a very slow start to the year. He is not slow anymore, man. Larry Nance is number 81 per game on the season. That's despite a start of the year where he was mostly irrelevant. Last three weeks, so last 10 ball games, he's number 55 in 9-cat. Stud. Stud with rest-of-season appeal. He's carved out a really nice place for himself on that club as a floor-spacing big man who can defend in a way that JV can't. Is every game for Jonas Valanciunas going to be this bad? No, JV played 14 minutes. Oftentimes, it's going to be a little more. Memphis was just running him off the court. Brandon Clark was running JV off the court, so they had to go to a smaller lineup. But we're seeing it. Nance is a big part of what the Pelicans are doing this year. He needs to be rostered in basically every format you can think of. Outside of extremely shallow leagues, we'll throw that little caveat in there. Uh, and yeah, I mean, Zion being out didn't hurt Nance, but he's been great regardless. Zion being out helped Trey Murphy because he got the start, and when he starts, he's a, he's a fantasy start. Three threes, a steal, and a block. Rebounds and the assists were not where you'd want them to be, but look, you take three threes, a steal, and a block, almost regardless of what else goes on uh, for a particular player on a given night. Zion is not a super fast healer. Uh, he already got ruled out for tonight's ball game. And um, yeah, I mean, roll with Trey. 
he's back to being in the mix again. And and like, it's not going to be this way when someone very small, like if, if McCollum, who's their de facto point guard, if he's out for a game, it probably doesn't quite work this way. But basically anyone from small forward up through center, if any of those guys is missing for the Pels, Trey Murphy's the guy who slots in. It's the same really fun phenomenon we're seeing in the NBA where one player is the guy who bumps into the starting lineup for a team or gets the big bump for a team when anyone in front of them is out. We saw it with Melton in Philly. Anybody missing a game, suddenly he got a big bump. We've seen it in Toronto where, at least for a while there, now things have gotten real kooky with the Raptors, but when anybody was out, Chris Boucher was the guy who got the bump. You're seeing it in New Orleans now. When anybody is out, Trey Murphy gets the bump. On the roto side, it makes those guys really interesting to just kind of hang on to and, like, watch a team's injury report. And it's like, oh, you know, one of these four of, of the five starters is out. I can deploy this other dude. Like, Trey Murphy might end up starting, like, 40 games this year based on Brandon Ingram missed a week and a half, and now Zion's going to miss a couple of ball games, and you figure at some point, and Herb was missing time in there. It'll happen again. It's happening right now. So Trey Murphy, as much as he is very much a stream-only kind of guy, he's basically had a stream opportunity in almost every ballgame this year outside of like four. Two-thirds more, oh, I think more than two-thirds of their games, he's been streamable. The Clippers-Dallas game is the one game that I was going to say there wasn't really anything to take away from it, except now we know Luka is going to get rest on the second half of the Mavs back-to-back tonight. Um... And who can blame them? Who can blame them? They're hosting Houston. That's a tank team. Luka's played a ridiculous sum of minutes so far this year. He's number 10 in 9-cat. He's playing 38 minutes per ball game, which I believe for anybody that hasn't been suspended for the last couple weeks is basically tops. The only guys ahead of him are Donovan Mitchell, who hasn't played in about a third of his team games, and Darius Garland, who missed half of his team games as well. So they have this inflated number from an overtime game or just, you know, being extraordinarily well-rested. Luka's basically the league leader in minutes per game at this point. So, yeah, dude needs a little bit of a of a breather. Especially after going huge again last night. He had a good one. That was a really good ball game for Luka. Made his shots, made his free throws. That's a big deal. Dorian Finney-Smith had 21 points and three steals. Every time he does this, I'm like, ooh, is this the one where Finney-Smith is going to wake up and start to be something? And then, nah, because he's still number 151 overall. Uh, or rather, I guess I should say, what's Luca? Luca's number five now. Pardon me, everybody. Uh, Dorian is 156. So there really has been almost no change full season versus last couple of weeks. I need to see it a few times. With no Luca, Spencer Dinwiddie's going to get a big ball game. Um, it's possible that someone like Tim Hardaway Jr. gets a bump, but who cares? Reggie Bullock, same story. Kind of a who cares phenomenon going on there. And uh, no change for the Clippers. Nick Batum hits seven out of seven three-pointers. That won't happen again the rest of the year. Maybe career. Marcus Morris, Paul George, Vita Zubats. That's an easy one. Knicks beat the Jazz 118-111. If you're like, Dan, what the hell happened to Isaiah Hartenstein? Do I have a lovely piece of news for you? Dude played four minutes in the first half. He picked up three fouls in four minutes and 20 seconds or so. Uh, so the fact that he actually played like 18 second half minutes was uh, kind of a positive. He was part of a uh, Knicks units that were winning their time on the floor. That's a big deal. I know his game wasn't great here. Two points, nine rebounds, a steal, and a block, but kind of salvaging that one. And uh, just keep rolling with it. Everything's okay. 
Knicks have been, Tom Thibodeau has been mixing and matching a little bit, trying to just find the right pieces. Because, like, R.J. Barrett was terrible in this one. Julius Randle was terrible in this one. He's kind of been terrible for a year plus. Jalen Brunson was much better. I mean, the offseason acquisition, you can't fault that. Brunson's been good, but, like, Manuel Quickly and Obi Toppin were much better than the guys playing in front of them. Whatever. Mike Conley, 10 points, 7 assists, 4 steals for Conley. That'll help elevate him a little bit. He had fallen to, like, 104. Now he's back up to 90. He'll be bouncing between 75 and 105 pretty much all season long, I think. Either way, it's a really nice value. Kelly Olynyk, 27 and 11. He moves back inside the top 90. He's into the 80s now. Uh, Larry Markkinen, slowing a tad. I mean, we kind of figured this was going to happen. Dude wasn't going to be able to keep up that clip all year. He's at 26 now. Larry's still going to be a top 50 guy this year. Um, your window to sell him for like a top 30 is probably gone. You could still potentially go top 40 if you think that's worth it. I don't know that there's much profit there. Jared Vanderbilt, only 24 minutes. He's been frustrating lately. Colin Sexton has been very frustrating lately. We've gone down the Colin Sexton rabbit hole a couple times on this podcast, and I'll say the same thing again. I ended up with him on one team and one team only. I don't even really know how it happened. He wasn't someone we talked about targeting during fantasy drafts. And for many years, I've told you guys that Sexton was a guy getting overdrafted because he scored a lot. At the same time, if you drafted him, again, I had him on one team, you kind of had to wait this thing out to see what his gig was going to be. Then the Jazz got off to a good start. Sexton is healthy enough now to play a full complement of minutes, but you're not seeing guys resting on back-to-backs every single time anymore. You're actually just seeing that team go out there and play. And so if Sexton isn't good in a given ballgame, he's not going to play. He was a almost team worst, minus 17 in a game they lost by 7. So he just got yanked because it wasn't working. Does he need to be held? I think the answer now is no. He does not. His minutes are not guaranteed. Even when he gets them, he's more like a 125 range guy because, like we've said before, he's mostly scoring. He profiles more as a stream option than someone you need to have on your team the whole way through. Malik Beasley at three more three-pointers. Um, he was fine. I said it on yesterday, two days ago on the pod. He's a stream-level guy also. You guys can stop yelling at me about this stuff on Twitter. You're not going to change my opinion. We know what Malik Beasley is. He's a three-point streamer when he's hot. Sacramento blitzed the Nets. They put up a buck 53. Holy moly. Somehow Kevin Durant was still good, even in a game where his team was just getting annihilated. It's not as though, like, his personal play was helping him much. He was a minus 31 for the ballgame. But KD was good enough. Good enough. He didn't really lose any ground on the other guys. He's still number three per game in nine cat. Uh, And thanks to the fact that he hasn't missed a game yet, he's actually number one in the NBA by totals so far. How about them apples? Them apples are okay. On the Kings side, Terrence Davis got hot and then got all kinds of delicious garbage time. He put up 31 points, nine boards, four assists, three steals, and one block. Keegan Murray left this game early with a back injury, which kind of opened up run for whichever Kings bench guy got really, really hot. And the answer in this one was Davis. It might be Malik Monk in the next one. It might be Davion Mitchell in the next one. It might even be someone like Trey Lyles if they go a little bit bigger in the next one. We don't even know if Keegan Murray's going to miss a ball game yet. So 
while I, I completely, listen, I, I sympathize with those of you that are like, should we at least look at Terrence Davis for the Kings next ball game? The answer is, yeah, you should look at him, but he's not going to lead the team in shots in a competitive basketball game. This game was not a competitive one. He's not going to shoot 75% in those. He's not going to make seven three-pointers. I mean, this is a guy who, like we saw it for stretches last year, he pretty much needs to be the one guy left on the court to make that fantasy impact. I like a lot of what the Kings are doing. You cannot argue with that claim because that was the biggest over-wager we made on season win total bets back in August on this show. That was the one I kept yelling about. Kings over. Walton's gone. Kings over. So a lot of what they're doing is good. They're playing fast. They're going to put up big fantasy numbers. That does make it a little easier for someone like a Davis or a Monk to do kind of just enough. But on a night-to-night basis, can you trust it? I don't believe so. I don't believe so. So I'd rather probably just kind of steer clear of that. Portland beat San Antonio 117-110. Spurs were up late. You kind of figured, like, at some point the Blazers were going to overtake it. Dame still eh, kind of finding his footing. At the same time, like, he had a couple of teammates that got hot in this game. And as a good teammate should, he went the role of facilitator. So Lillard had 11 assists, but Jeremy Grant hit six more three-pointers. He's been lava hot lately. Anthony Simons hit five three-pointers. He's been pretty warm lately. He's up in that top 75 range. But I think Grant is the one that you're like, where the hell did this come from? Because he's shooting 51% after being sort of the main guy in Detroit and shooting whatever it was, low 40s. This is a Grant we've kind of seen before. Like, he was high 40s, 50 range in Denver when guys were setting him up. But at the same time, three three-pointers a game while also shooting that well, it doesn't fully add up. Like, he had, what did he make? He made 9 out of 15 shots and 6 of them were three-pointers yesterday. That type of stuff you can is not going to stick for a full season. That's not to say he's not going to have an okay year, but top 60 range where he's at right now probably not going to hold forever. If you can move Grant for a top 75 guy where you you feel really comfortable that they're going to be 75 or better, I think I would do it. Simons, kind of the same story for where he's at right now. He's at 75. If you can get 75 range for him, I think I'd probably do that too. Drew Eubanks outplayed Yusuf Nurkic in yesterday's ballgame. Nurk was a minus 21. Eubanks was a plus 28. Oh, boy. I won't hold every game. And that's the problem. Like, if someone looks at this like, should I pick up Drew Eubanks? Nah, he's still the guy off the bench. And if Nurk is playing fine, then Eubanks is going to get 18, 19 minutes or whatever it is. So probably just leave that part alone. And then with Josh Hart, he was a little bit better in this one. Uh, he went hyper-efficient, low-usage type of ball game. Hart has been a little hit or miss. He started the year quickly, tapered off pretty quick as well. Now he's at 133. I don't think he's a must-start fantasy player a lot of folks are like this comes up in our forums often often what should I do with Josh Hart I think the answer is that he's probably more of a stream level guy and I don't know that that changes unless like multiple usage guys are out because he's just not going to get many shots he's going to have to do it with rebounds and threes and steals and he sort of has a two of those things but the percentages are bad turnovers are probably a little bit high although the four and a half assists are nice for him it's fine. He's, he's like, I call it like a guard rebound specialist, I guess. 
there's a place for that in a lot of leagues. It probably is going to make more sense on teams coming down the stretch when you're like, oh, I got to make up room. I got to make up ground in rebounding. Or if you have a punt something team, but it's not punt rebounds and you need a guard that's going to buttress that. Well, there you go. Jakob Pertl went huge. This is why Drew Eubanks ended up in the ball game. Keldon Johnson had a nice one. Devin Vassell had a nice one. Trey Jones just passed it. That was his job. Yeah, he just passed it. Charles Bassey relegated back to a more typical spot for him. 16 minutes, 6-5 and five with a block. I mean, that's the thing. Like, you didn't pick him up to start him in your Roto League. You picked him to start him in a five-game week, and so far, so good. I mean, you got the back-to-back. You got what you wanted to. You can get that type of production out of a guy five times, even if it's just this. Even if it's 30 points, 25 rebounds, and five blocks with good field goal percent. That would actually be a pretty solid week. Doesn't have to do much when you got five ball games. that's for damn sure. And then uh, no real ads or drops on that side. I know we're, we're like anxiously awaiting somebody getting a rest day and who steps in for San Antonio, but so far, uh, not much. I do want to remind everybody to check out our buddies over at thrivefantasy.com and the Thrive Fantasy app. Prop up. Prop up with Thrive Fantasy. 20 props to choose from. In a given nightly tournament, you choose 10 of them. Make your over and under predictions on 10 superstars on the nightly card out of those 20 choices. And if you are mostly successful in your calls, you win money. And for a limited time, use promo code ETHOS at sign up and get a 100% deposit match bonus up to $250. That doesn't mean you have to do $250. That means up to it. You want to do $20? Bucks? They'll match you $20. Bucks. You want to do $80? They'll match your $80. Promo code is ethos at thrivefantasy.com. It's such an easy way to get involved with nightly slates without having to deal with the nonsense that is building a DFS lineup. Ah, oh, it's so annoying. I hate it. I got this much. I got this amount of dollars to work with. I can slot this guy here into my shooting guard, my small. No, don't worry about all that nonsense. Blech. Fie on that nonsense. You don't have to worry about that with Thrive Fantasy. They give you the 20 props to pick from. You just choose 10. They have different numerical values based on how likely or unlikely a particular outcome is. So you could make the call on something that you think is less likely to happen, but maybe will on a given night, and you can rack up points that way, or you can try to hit a bunch of easy ones and rack up points that way. ThriveFantasy.com. The promo code ETHOS. Get that deposit match bonus while it exists. ThriveFantasy.com and the Thrive Fantasy app. Check them out today. And I don't want to call this a sidebar because I actually think this is an important discussion to have right now. I want to remind all of you, and this is my rant. I don't know why I, I saved the rant for later in the podcast today. The rant today, rant today is not necessarily about how many injuries there are in the NBA right now. My rant is about how we as fantasy players react to it. This is what I talked about during the big Omicron surge in December last year. So I'm recycling a rant. If you were with us listening to this podcast around the Omicron rant last year, you can probably guess where I'm going with this. Can you? You guys have, you guys have a pretty good feel for it so far? Okay. So where I'm going with this is... Stop whining. Pay closer attention. 
I said it on a pod earlier this week. I've said it on social media a couple of times. The number of injuries in the NBA, COVID or otherwise, mostly otherwise this year, so far, still, we really don't know what the, what the uh, December, January months may bring. Let's hope not quite as bad, but I don't I'm going to go down that path. Crossing my fingers, hoping, hoping, hoping. Everybody's out there talking about how this is a disaster. And from an NBA product standpoint, it's not great. I'm inclined to agree with them. There have been some suggestions on the Twitterverse of shortening the season, not shortening the season, but decreasing the number of ball games. I mean, this is the, that's the way I feel about Major League Baseball also. That's just not going to happen because there's in-stadium revenue that counterweights whatever that argument would be. And you know what? Ultimately, even if we said, like, still a 20-some-odd-week season and, you know, 70-whatever games instead of 82, teams are still going to find a way to rest their guys. It's going to happen. It'll be less, but it's still going to happen. And then we'll probably complain about how it's still happening even if it's less. So my take on this is don't worry so much about how many guys are missing games or who's out on a given night. In the end, it does tend to balance out, sort of. Some guys are going to be a little bit more hurt than others. Some guys are going to be a little less hurt than others. So far this year, like if you look at the, the players, like James Harden missing a month early in the season, he's going to be someone who appears far more hurt than everybody else, and then you hope that he's mostly healthy and it can kind of level off a little bit. The main point here is, if you don't worry so much on the day-to-day, and I realize this is easier said than done on the head-to-head side, because you're like, crap, if I have a bad week, then you know I lose 8-1 to one or 7-2, to two, and I'm way behind the eight ball. It's easier to handle this in Roto. Yet another, I think, reason why folks should be considering a Roto League, because, you know, what an injury on a given day or week doesn't really bludgeon you. But just pay close attention... And you can stream your way to all kinds of extra wins. Yes, the law of averages does not state that you and your opponent on a head-to-head week and any given week are going to have the same number of guys out. That's true. Over the course of an entire season, however, you and the other teams in your league are going to miss, on average, closer to the same number of games percentage-wise than on a given week. Like, if you have four guys out on one week and your opponent only has one, you're going to get crushed. But at some point down the line, you're probably only going to have one guy out and your opponent's going to have three guys out. Or four guys out. Whatever the, you know, just flip it. Make it the opposite. The way we can use this to our advantage is by understanding that a lot of people get fed up with it and tune it out. And they say, they throw their arms in the air and they say, ah, the hell with it. Like, it's not going to matter anyway. My team is half dead. I'm just cooked. It is in those moments, and when your team is fully healthy, that's great. You know, it can stream a little bit. You probably don't need to pay quite as close attention. I would argue you still should a little. But when your team is beat up, that's when you really need to hunker down. Frankly, all of the time. You know what? Screw that last statement. All of the time you need to be hunkered down. Because every single night in the NBA right now, thanks to all of these injuries, we have three, four, five really good streaming options. Here, just as an example, we got a 10-game Wednesday coming up right now. This is That almost makes it too easy. It's like, what's the point? But looking back at yesterday, you had Trey Murphy, 
as a streamer for New Orleans. That was a pretty easy decision to make. I don't know if you want to call Hartenstein that, although I think he's startable even when Mitchell Robinson is around. Um, well, Nurk was back for Portland, so that one pulled off the board. I guess yesterday, maybe two-ish. What about tonight? What about tonight? How many streamers do you think we got out there coming up this evening? Uh, Orlando. Paolo's already been ruled out. So Chumo Kiki, put him on the board. Miami. Tyler Hero's out. Max Struess is on the board. Toronto. Half the team is out. Chris Boucher and Thad Young probably on the board. Boston. Marcus Smart and Malcolm Brogdon are out. Derek White is on the board. New Orleans is back. Trey Murphy's again on the board. Cleveland and Milwaukee might have a bunch of guys out, so we're going to just say zero for now, but they might have one or two players on the board also. Phoenix, if Chris Paul is out, put campaign on the board. Denver, Nikola Jokic is in protocols. I didn't even mention that on the podcast, mostly because I'm just going to watch this game and see what they do. My guess is they'll go smaller, like you can't play DeAndre Jordan for big minutes or you're just going to, like you're going to get smoked. Uh, but there's a possibility that something happens in Denver where they got to go to a, a slightly smaller lineup and, and maybe someone emerges there. You might have as many as like eight or nine. And when I say streamers, like these are the super stream guys. These are the ones that have, that see their value jump from outside the top 100 to inside of it. And for some of them, well inside of it. Like Murphy, Payne, Boucher. These are guys that like, they can jump towards top 60, top 70 when the guy in front of them is not playing. Or for Trey Murphy, it's any one of the guys in front of him are not playing. Everybody's out there. Yeah, I get it. You can bitch and moan about your team. It sucks if you have Paolo and he's out. It sucks if you have any of the Raptors right now and they're out. Or if you have Jokic or Chris Paul, which I do on a lot of teams. That's a huge pain in the butt. If you have Tyler Hero, it sucks. But instead of sitting back and going, ah, damn it, my guy's out again, blah, blah, blah. Look at your, your team. And even if you don't have those guys, beat someone else to them. Go get these streamers. You can build a fantasy team right now of these guys. Who needs the last four or five rounds of your fantasy draft anymore? I'm in a, a couple of Yahoo Pro Leagues where, like, I can't pick up these top 75-level streamers because I already have too many of them. Now, admittedly, those leagues are 10-start, 3-bench, three 3-IL, three so, like, 13, technically a 13-player roster. It, that's a that's a 12-teamer that plays relatively shallow. And then I'm also in a handful of, of Roto leagues that I've set up myself that are 10-start, 5-bench, and even those, I can't pick up all the guys I want to pick up. Marvin Bagley is another one who, and Detroit's not even playing tonight, but like, they're all over the board. They're everywhere. There's no excuse to not have these guys going. Now, on the Roto side, you might just run out of damn space. On the head-to-head side, you can literally rotate between them. You can turn your three, you can go three, four streamer slots deep with guys who have good schedules in a given week. You can get a four-game week out of a top 75 replacement guy. If you have some injuries on your team, go this route. Even if you don't, try to smash your opponent into submission. An 8-1 to one win is still better. Like, I think it, this is a weird one to, to conquer in our minds. A lot of times, I can say to you, hey, it's better to lose 6-3 to three than 8-1. to one. And You're like, oh yeah, that is, that's true. Like, minimize your losses. I don't fall as far back. Guess what? Winning 8-1 to one versus 6-3, to three, same difference. 
Seven to two versus five four. Seven same difference. You got to think about it from games gained by how hard you're working the wire. So get in there. Don't worry about how many guys are hurt right now. You might have some of them. You might not. Take advantage of it. Pile up the wins on the head-to-head side. This is an opportunity to pile up wins and minimize losses, whether you're someone who's getting hit by injuries right now or someone who's not. So minimize the losses if you're getting hurt. If you're not, just destroy everybody else. It'll pay off later. It'll pay off later. And on the Roto side, you can. it allows you to be even more kind of judicious in how you deploy your games played. I'll throw a thank you here at the end of the podcast to our buddies at manscaped.com. Promo code there is ethos20. And over at expressvpn.com slash hoopball if you want to get that extra three months on your one-year membership. Again, check out thrivefantasy.com. Open up a free account today. Use that promo code ethos to make sure that when you make your first deposit, you get the deposit match. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a sports ethos presentation. I am at Dan Bespris. I'll be doing all this stream discussion over on social media over the course of the day. And hey, remember, BOGO at Sports Ethos. Go try out our wager pass. Those guys are crushing it, man. They won over 100 units as a, as a unit last year. All tracked. Every play tracked in our wager pass division. Use BOGO at checkout. You get a second month free. On any, actually, membership. If you want to do Fantasy Pass, you can get in our Discord. We move the question and answer section back into Discord as well. Premium subs. We also have the instant reaction threads in there. It's a good time, man. Discord's picking up. I'll see you guys over there. I'll see you guys on Twitter. I am Dan Vespers for Fantasy NBA Today. Until tomorrow. We got a big Wednesday to recap tomorrow, don't we? Oh, you know what? Maybe we're going live. Is tomorrow a live show? I'll talk to Brew. I'll let you guys know on uh, on the socials. Later, everybody. <laughs>